Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, welcome back. So today I want to take some time to talk about the morality of precious metals and sort of unpack that topic. Now, silver and gold. I mean, for us, we stack it, right? Or we invest in it or whatever you want to call you buying physical precious metals. And, and, and maybe it's saving for a rainy day. Maybe it's hedging against inflation. Maybe you're preparing for a SHTF type situation. I don't know. However, knowingly or unknowingly, uh, silver and gold very often play a role as the alternative asset or investment to other safe haven assets, including bonds and fiat currency. I mean, additionally, they also can be seen as an alternative to things like stocks and uh, real estate and, and commercial bonds. But as a whole, you know, if we're defining silver and gold as a safe haven asset, even if we can also say it's an investment, well, it's, it's usually an alternative to other safe haven assets, including, again, fiat currencies and government bonds. And, uh, you know, when I talk about the morality of silver and gold, I don't I'm sure many of you guys realize that, that I'm talking about it in a positive sense, a moral thing to do, to, to buy silver and gold. Uh, not, not for the sake of buying it, not because I told you to, but because it is an alternative to those other assets. Now, I'm not here to make you feel bad about any of the things I'll be talking about today, because I'll say right up front, I use the dollar almost every single day. I mean, it's a fact of my life. Is it ideal? No, I mean, it'd be nice if we could have an alternative like precious metals. But as far as daily commerce, paying the bills, etc., uh, most places don't accept silver and gold. So I'm sort of stuck with the dollar, as are most of you, whether it's the dollar, the Canadian or Australian dollar, the pound, the euro, the yen, or whatever you use, right? We're stuck with a fiat currency for the time being. Um, additionally, I can say that, hey, I have debt, right? Uh, I'm a grad student, so you know I have plenty of student loan debt, right? And I carry some other debt as well. And so I'm not going to make you feel bad for, for either owning debt or having debt. However, I will say that when we're talking about these alternatives to silver and gold, the mainstream options, including fiat currencies and, and government bonds, it is of my opinion that maybe owning them, using them aren't immoral, but the the success of those assets, the widespread use and, and investment in those assets perpetuates a system that I think many of us can see and probably agree upon as being, to some extent or another, immoral. What I'm talking about here are, are large central governments, uh, 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 central banks, and, and everything that that entails. Now, we're all going to have different op uh, opinions on, on politics here. Right, and, and, and not every country, I think, is equally as bad in terms of, of what their government does. Uh, I, I like to pick on the U.S. Um, I think, first of all, I'll say this, that uh, being a dissenting voice in the United States or whatever country you're from is hardly unpatriotic. It's, it's one of the more patriotic things you can 
do to to disagree with something your country is doing. Otherwise, it's it's all just a big populist show. Uh, and and there are a lot of things that I disagree with here, and, and things that I would consider that the U government does as immoral. The the one that I like to pick on is foreign policy. The U.S. government, yes, maybe you could say has done some good, but as a whole, if, if you really look at the good versus bad around the world, I, I really have to come, come to the conclusion that there's very little of any good that they do. Um, maybe some neutral, more neutral stuff, but even that isn't great. But as a whole, most of what they do is pretty bad, actually, I think, for my opinion. And you guys can disagree, but, but if you look at the history of the U.S. government, and, and this is where dollars and, and bonds come into play here but but if you look at what they've done over the last heck 30 years let's just go back to 1990 right we're talking about the the first gulf war we're talking about the second gulf war regime change in iraq regime change or at least the attempt of regime change in syria assisted with regime change in libya uh, as well as more clandestine regime change in tunisia and egypt and and plenty of military Actions and activity in places like uh, Sudan and uh, you know Central and, and you know Sub-Saharan Africa, Somalia, Yemen, uh, of course Iran, uh, enabling many uh, actors in the area such as Saudi Arabia and, and Israel, etc. Right as a whole, I see, and, and of course there's the elephant in the room, Afghanistan. As a whole, in the last 30 years, I categorize most of that as as being pretty negative stuff, immoral, right? Ultimately, uh, if you look at the, and, and again, I'm not playing apologist here for terrorists or anything like that. I'm just simply saying that if you look at the death toll in terms of collateral damage, if you want to call it that, or, or civilian deaths or whatever in those areas, as well as the indirect destabilization that the United States has caused through regime change, through uh, their various other military actions, it's it's been extremely damaging. It's torn families apart, in my opinion, has led to the rise of a whole new generation of terrorists that have grown up under the thumb of the, the, of the U.S. empire. Uh, as a whole, it's just all really immoral to me. And, and the reason I bring all this up is to loop it back to the dollar and treasury bonds. What the U.S. government does abroad in terms of foreign policy would not be possible without the ability to borrow money and without... Uh, the widespread use and, and de facto global reserve currency status of the U.S. dollar. And so, I mean, again, I I use dollars, I have debt and whatnot, but uh, debt to the U.S. government. But uh, when we do use those or invest in those assets, we are indirectly helping the U.S. government, uh, you know, perpetuate the current system. And, and that's just foreign policy. I mean, domestic policy, we can talk about that. We can talk about the Fed and the U.S. government and their uh, track record, pretty solid track record, of, of consolidating wealth among the powerful, among the wealthy, among those that are connected, etc. Uh, we can talk about their, their, what I would believe is very immoral manipulation of markets, whether that's precious metals, currencies, interest rates, stock markets, bonds, etc. And this is all just really ugly stuff that's all enabled by bonds in the dollar. I mean, you look at the U.S. Uh, uh, sovereign debt right now, currently sitting above $23 trillion. That's that's a lot. And, and that, that 
I guess would amaze a lot of people. But but for me, that's not what is truly amazing about this $23 trillion of debt because uh, it's not that difficult to rack up debt. I mean, look at myself, okay? I have a lot of debt, okay? But, but what's really interesting about the United States is that they can continue to borrow more at an extremely low rate. I mean, right now, the U.S. tenure is, is south of 2% yield. I mean, even if you go off of the official government numbers, which are, are, are well below what the real rate of inflation is by a couple of percentage points, uh, that's still just break even. That doesn't make sense in a normal world. A government that has over 100% debt GDP can borrow at less than 2%. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. A lot of countries, Japan, Germany, and others, they can borrow at negative rates. Negative nominally, not just in terms of real rates compared to, to, to inflation. That's insane. That's the really crazy part about this bond market. And who is it that ultimately enables those low rates? Well, yes, there's central banks. The Fed, the ECB, the Bank of Japan. Yeah, they buy a lot of those bonds. They print money, create artificial demand for those bonds when they buy them. And, and that drives up the price, drives down yields. But I hate to say it. We're part of this as well. If you have, and I don't, but if you have, let's say, a 401 or 409K, let's say you have a a mutual fund, let's say you're counting on a pension fund in the future, uh, odds are, through some way, shape, or form, you likely hold a fair amount of U.S. government debt and potentially even negative-yielding debt in Japan, Germany, and, and many other countries. That's just, I mean, if you look at their balance sheet, it's its a pretty good chance that you have some of that debt that you have invested in. I mean, you look at who funds, uh, and the question I always ask for the U.S. government is, is not how high can the debt go, but who's going to buy that debt? And if you look at the United States, you know, over the last couple of years, it's been uh, not so much foreign investors, just to some extent, some months they have bought, um, foreign central banks, uh, many have sold off, Russia, uh, you know, China has on and off, and etc. You know, uh, but certainly haven't been a huge buyer, not enough to satisfy the new issues of debt. Um, you look at domestic uh, uh, banks; there, they seem to be tapped out. A lot of it is domestic consumers, soon-to-be retirees that are saving, stocking their money away. Uh, and of course, this is hedge funds. This is plenty of other things as well. But but that's ultimately who is buying this debt by the trillions. It's it's us. And 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 you know, there's this. There's been this interesting movement in the investment world for for a number of years, maybe even decades now. It's more conscientious. Some, I don't know. Maybe younger generation could refer to it as a, a woke form of investing. And the idea behind it is is that you're going to invest in assets that align with your values, and not invest in assets that don't align with your values. Of course, this hasn't applied to the dollar or to, to U.S. government bonds yet, really, to, to my knowledge, but it is used in, like, the, the tobacco industry. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
industry uh, today and in, in things like the coal industry, fossil fuels. People just say, I don't want to, to do that because I think that's polluting or I'm afraid of global warming or obviously I'm not a fan of, of tobacco products smoking. And so I would prefer that not to have in my portfolio. Sometimes it's their individual decision. A lot of funds have just decided to not buy those stocks, right? Uh, or buy those corporate bonds because they don't want to be a part of that. It's a conscientious, conscientious form of investing. In fact, you know, as an aside, I mean, if you look like the, the, the coal industry, uh, it's here to stay um, for at least a little while, another decade or two. Uh, you see things like, like China still needing a, a lot of coal. Even the United States using a lot of coal. Uh, Germany phasing out nuclear power. I mean, who's, wh- what's going to replace that? I mean, to some extent, it's probably going to be coal. And, and, and don't get me wrong, coal has a lot of problems. Uh, it's not the energy of the future, but it has gotten cleaner and it's it's here. I mean, it, we just can't replace it. It'd be great if we could in the next five years with, with nuclear energy and then maybe down the road we could worry more about these currently less uh, cost-effective renewables like like uh, solar and, and wind and hydropower and whatnot, but, but we're not there yet. They, they can't take over a large form of the grid and, and they have some of their own problems. And so with this weird situation where you have all these investors not wanting to be involved in the coal industry. And so coal companies are still doing good business, a lot of them. A lot of them are, I'm not talking about the mines, but, but a lot of the, maybe some of the mines, some of the natural resource companies that, that have coal as a good amount of their holdings, they, uh, they're still doing a lot of business. Many of them are still quite profitable, maybe even low debt. But their stock price has has really not done a whole lot. I mean, that's the case for a lot of natural resource stocks. But but it just has not done a lot. And yet they have these crazy, some of them have crazy high dividend ratios relative to their to their current stock price. Right? And yet a lot of people don't want them. And, and, and you know, I toyed with that myself. You know, I'm not a huge environmentalist. Right? And, and what if I, you know, bought that, took the dividends and, and the whatever, the proceeds, the profits, and, and put it towards, you know, putting in old, my own solar system one day. I don't know. But, you know, that's, that's that kind of conscientious, the woke investing there. It hasn't happened for, for U.S. government bonds. And, and believe me, I mean, across the political spectrum, across the world, there are a lot of individuals that are not a fan of the United States. And, and if you ask them, and if you kind of broke this down for them, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them said, hey, you're right, maybe I am going to ask my, my, my broker, my, my investment manager, whatever, like, can we somehow reduce or eliminate our exposure to U.S. government bonds? And it sounds like it's not that big of a deal. I mean, we're talking about retirees here, not central banks. But we're talking trillions of dollars of U.S. government bonds that are indirectly or, or directly held through pensions and 401ks and mutual funds and IRAs and all these other ways of of saving for retirement. It's a lot of money, trillions. Of course, it hasn't happened. And and my expectation is not necessarily that it will happen. Uh, There'll be an exodus away from bonds one day, uh, U.S. government bonds included. It probably won't be because of woke investing. It'll probably be because people wake up (laughs) and, and, and realize that, hey, U.S. government bonds are not yielding anywhere near the rate of inflation or the risk of default and future inflation is rising. I mean, you have to remember that 2%, less than 2% is on a 10-year bond. You're taking on a lot of risk of future default and I think even more so future inflation when you when you buy that and hold that bond, right? And so that's going to happen eventually, but it just probably won't be because of woke investing. However, that doesn't mean 
that we have to stop from doing that, right? And that's where precious metals come into play. That's a big part of why I think precious metals are just a more moral way of, of doing things. You're not funding this government and everything that it does. Uh, you're, you're not using or saving in, in the dollar, thus uh, creating artificial demand or de- taking supply off the market when it's just sitting in your bank account, right? Uh, and, and so much of the world, so much of the things that, that people see as, as problematic about governments, including the United States and, and their policies, they could be counteracted, albeit on a relatively small scale, by people saying, hey, I want to diversify away from that into something like precious metals because I see it as something that fits better with my conscience, right? Some people have called silver and gold, you know, God's metal or, or God's money, I should say. Uh, of course, silver and gold were used, you know, throughout the Bible, uh, has been used for thousands of years. And, and, and there's some truth to that. Heck, I'm a Christian and, and uh, I think there's a lot of other people out there that, uh, that are... Uh, Jewish or Muslim that that would agree, you know, even if I am not of those faiths, I think many of those faiths would agree that, yeah, there's some elements in the Abrahamic religions. I don't know about Buddhism and and Hinduism and some of the other ones, but in those religions that, yeah, there's some element of morality behind silver and gold. Maybe that's part of the reason why people use it for thousands of years. Now, again, I'm I'm not here to tell you that you're a bad Christian because you used it all. That's not what I'm saying. That's not the intention's message at all, this podcast. But but it's something to ponder. You know, uh, can you, you know, make more conscientious decisions? And the great thing about silver and gold, here's the real kicker, is that you're not losing something by this. Now, as I said with coal, you're missing out maybe on a pretty decent investment. It's probably true for a lot of fossil fuels. Uh, a lot of these companies that, that people just decide not to buy or, or decide to buy green companies, the green companies don't perform all that well and, and the not-so-green companies maybe really struggle, right? Uh, not always, but, you know, sometimes people are buying with their conscience first and then profit second. But, I mean, that's that's not always a great... Conscience is important, but, but it'd be great to have both is what I'm saying. And with precious metals, you have that. If we're seeing it as an alternative to bonds into the dollar, well, first of all, take the dollar at face value. Uh, well, that face value is going to stay the same, uh, but it's going to be inflated away. Uh, precious metals won't be. They're going to maintain their value, right? What if, I mean, silver and gold maintained a value of, of you know 5% each year moving up versus the dollar? And I think that's very conservative, but it's over the next five years that happens. Well, guess what? They, they, they performed excellently versus the dollar. They've done a good job of, of, of uh, protecting your wealth. And even bonds, this is true for. I mean, bonds and, and other ways of, of saving with interest, whether it's CDs or, or whatever else, but, uh, precious metals could still be that. I mean, again, as I said before, bonds are, are negative yielding in terms of real rates when, when you take into account the real rate of inflation. Negative yielding. Right, and so... It, it, would you rather have a negative yielding asset or would you have an asset that is, in theory, going to, to follow the rate of inflation or even outpace it? Yeah, silver and gold can be volatile. There's years where it doesn't. It's not even positive, let alone matching the rate of inflation. There's also years where it, where it outperforms. Over the long term, it's an excellent way of, of protecting your wealth and bonds as a whole they don't really fill that role very well anymore at current rates as well as uh, the just generally high risk of, of default 
whether it's through outright defaulting on debt or because of, of high rates of inflation at the, at the government levels around the world. So that's the great thing about silver and gold. We can talk back and forth about are they moral or not, but when the rubber hits the road, they, uh, they perform better than those assets, right? I mean, why do you think that earlier, uh, earlier this year, in 2019, the second half of 2018, silver and gold were going up as the amount of negative yielding debt around the world was rising? Maybe it was because a lot of investors realized that, hey, uh, I'm not speculating here on these bonds, and therefore I don't want to hold this negative yielding debt. How about instead of negative yielding debt, let's buy silver and gold? Right? I think that was a big part of it. Right? So, as always, I, 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 I'm probably preaching to the choir here. You get that. Right? But, I, but I hope that this makes you think more about, uh, first of all, the morality of silver and gold, but also the, the ways we, we sort of enable the current power structure, the current system uh, that, that is, is ultimately enabled by the dollar, or other fiat currencies and uh, central banks, uh, uh, and, and of course, uh, the bonds, government bonds used to fund these governments. So, as always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast, and God bless.